Hi, and welcome to another episode of Wolf Disney. Uh, my name is Natalie. Sorry, and I'm Sarah. Are you serious? <laughs> the person I'm dog sitting for just texted me. And we're two sisters who grew up with very little um, Disney knowledge and experience and manners, um, podcast manners. We're very professional. We're professionals. Yep. Um, And so we are silly making our way through the Disney movie catalog um, in chronological order. And today's movie is... It's not. Oh, oh yeah. So... um, it was supposed to be the three lives of Thomasina. Um, this is our second time running into this problem is that it's not actually on Disney plus. Oh man. It's actually, it's not even like you can't like rent it on Amazon prime. It's not on, you can't rent it anywhere. What, Natalie, what does um, that tell you about that movie? It's a, it's a rare watch. Um, and it's, you should consider yourself privileged if you could watch it. Um, the whole movie is, um, on YouTube for free, like not an official copy, but that is, does exist on YouTube. Um, did you watch it? But no. Um, but we decided to do Mary Poppins one because Sarah doesn't really like the, uh, Thomasina in the first place. And also I think a lot of our listeners, not a lot, I think some of our listeners do watch these movies with us to like refresh their brains and it just didn't seem uh fair to do a movie that's hard to find yeah it's it's an ethics thing really um so we're doing mary poppins because that's the next movie on the list um we're both happy with that i'm very happy i was i was very i'm like i'm dog sitting and um their internet isn't great because we're like way out in the county um so there might be some interruption <laughs> podcasting. Right. Um, but that meant that I couldn't watch the movie on the TV. I had to watch it on my laptop and like, I didn't mind. Like I was really like, uh, you know, I don't normally I watch it with like the Disney plus on my TV, my laptop and my lap taking notes. Mm-hmm. And so I knew this would make it longer. Um, but I didn't mind cause I love Mary Poppins, even though, I did not realize how long Mary Poppins was. God, it was a long movie. I think it could, it was two hours and 22 minutes long. And I think it could be just under two hours if they cut two thirds of the chimney sweep montage. Mm-hmm. I um, I consulted our friend Mary Ness and that was um, one of her um, complaints was specifically about that song. Which is really, it's really long and unnecessary. Yeah. Um, so you said that you have an icebreaker? I do. I do. Um, okay. So the icebreaker is on um, in Mary Poppins, when she first meets Jane and Michael, she measures them with a measuring tape and, mm-hmm. and it gives a brief description about each character. So uh, Michael's says extremely stubborn and suspicious. To which Jane starts giggling, and then Jane's is rather inclined to giggle, doesn't put things away. And then Mary Poppins is practically perfect in every way. Um, so I, do you know where I'm going with this? What, what, did you just do a, a drum set, like, ba thing? Did you hear that? <laughs> That's the dog sneezing. 
Oh, Did it, it sounded like you. Good job. You. Top hat, whatever. Tom, Tom, top hat. What? Tom hat. 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 Toms. Hi hat. Hi hat. Hi hat. Hi hat. <laughs> Tip tops. Isn't there a Tom's in the drums? Tom's, I think, are drums. Yeah. Like Tom Tom's? I don't know. All right. So the dog sneezed. Good to know. Um, yeah. Are you going to make us say what our measurement would be? But like for each other. Oh, okay. I don't and know. James, I haven't thought about it. James was loves to giggle, never puts things away. Yes. Okay. Is that what you're going to say for me? No. It was a joke. Okay. So once again, you've shown up without an idea. Yes. It's been a busy day. It's the Lord's okay. day. I work today. We were going to do this yesterday, so I don't know what your plan was then. All right. Okay. For Natalie's, I would say 90% of the time, super fun to be around. The other 10%, she's grumpy and just still talk to her. Okay. <laughs> it's a pretty long thing to put on a measuring stick, a tape measure, but okay. But also practically perfect in every way. Okay. Um, for Sarah's, I would say, all right, Sarah, um, I have to think of an adjective, maybe, uh, beautiful. No, not that adjective. Uh, Sarah, a wealth of trivia knowledge and does things her own way even when asked to do it in other ways. <laughs> like putting all of her notes for the podcast into just one document so she doesn't click around. They are in one document. You clicked at least three different things to give me that one icebreaker question. Well, that's because I had a different tab open. Yeah. Anyway, and practically perfect. So uh, our listeners, we invite you to come up with your own uh, tape measure, uh, measuring devices. Ooh, or if we know you and you comment on our Facebook, we'll give you one. Yeah, we'll do that. If we don't know you, we can also come up with one. That's true too. We're good at- We'll like, see if we're correct. Facebook stalking too. Yeah. We'll find you. <laughs> uh, likes does need too much to be listening to our podcast. <laughs> practically a stranger <laughs> so that, right. that was my warm-up great um so mary poppins came out in 1964 mm -hmm. yeah so. mary poppins is an american musical made by disney it came out in 1964 it's uh julie andrews's um film debut before that she was on broadway yes sarah um, I am ashamed. I don't know when I realized it, but I'm ashamed how long it took me to realize that Mary Poppins and um, Maria from The Sound of Music were the same person. The same actor? Like as a kid. Yeah. Not oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But like those are two movies that I watched all the time. And they're just so different in the way they look. Yeah and in their personalities yeah that I was like and you said this is her first one 
Yeah, I just Googled it and um, The Sound of Music actually comes one year after Mary Poppins, which I always, I don't know, maybe it's just like less colorful, a little more dull. But I well, I think also the Mary Poppins character seems a lot older than Maria. Like Maria yeah. is immature and I mean, how do you solve a problem like her? I mean, she's, you know, how do you catch a wave upon the sand? Um, she's, you know, she's yeah. a flibberty jit um a will-of-a-wisp a clown um and Mary Poppins so, is none of those things yeah so already we have more references to the sound of music in this podcast than Mary Poppins <laughs> good 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 um yeah so this is her um Walt Disney saw her in Camelot but that's related to last week's movie great I'm really enjoying our time together I would appreciate if the 90% of Natalie that I like would come back to the podcast and the 10% bossy pants one would go away. Who's there? Oh, it's me, the 90%. (laughs) That was a fun bit that we did. Thank you. That was improv, kind of. Um, So yeah, this is her first film. um, And... Um, Dick Van Dyke's first Cockney accent. Oh, yeah. Uh, I heard that people were not happy with that. Yeah, people are very upset about it. I wouldn't know any better. Um, and it was a pretty successful and well-received movie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it continues to be, I'm assuming. Um, I know that you you researched a little bit of the original story. I did. Did you research at all, like, them... Uh, picking this to be a Disney movie? Well, yeah. Um, okay. So um, so the it's based on a book series by P.L. Travers, um, who was an Australian British actress slash writer. Um, and she wrote a ser- the series of books, but the first one I think was published in 1934. Um, but Disney's daughters loved the books. And so they'd read it. I guess when they were growing up in like the forties, maybe thirties, forties. And so they, so he, Disney actually had been trying to get the rights to the book for like 20 years. Like he had been contacting Peel Travers and asking for the rights so that he could make the movie. Um, And finally, like he flew her out to LA um, and she finally agreed. And he had her like there when they were filming it and um, but, but so, so the, the, one of the big differences between the books and the movie is that in the books, Mary Poppins is mean, like she's not as nice as we see her, but there's like little glimpses of it. I think in the movie, like, um, I wrote this one line down at the very end of the movie, she says, what would happen to me? Might I ask if I loved all the children I said goodbye to like Jane and Michael are like really upset that she's packing up and they're like, won't you? don't you love us Mary Poppins? It's like the saddest thing in the world. They're like crying and sad. Um, and, and she says that, you know, like what would happen to me if I loved all of the children I said goodbye to, which is both a non-answer and a harsh answer. Um, yeah. So I think we get glimpses of her not being like the nicest person sometimes, but in the book, she was definitely um, a lot more strict and, uh, and harsh, uh, yeah, I mean, she's definitely like watching it now. I mean, I've I've watched it a few times as an adult, um, but this most recent watch, um, 
she's definitely like colder and has a drier sense of humor than I like was able to pick up on, yeah. which I think is just cause it was a musical. And so like colorful and playful, like looking that as a kid, I never picked up on mm-hmm. just like how much like snark she had. And um, honestly, there was a lot of um, gaslighting <laughs> she did, mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, and just oh, like- she's like, oh, Michael, it's ridiculous. What a story. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, like not, yeah. Um, but I also, the little that I know about the original Mary Poppins comes from the other Disney movie, Saving Mr. Banks. I haven't um, seen that. Oh, I saw it in theaters. It's about about this relationship. About about Disney and her? Travers, yeah. Yeah, I read about that when I was doing research. Um, and I think the whole time, I every time I saw the title Saving Mr. Banks, for some reason, I think I confused that with the Peter Pan movie, Finding Neverland. Yeah different there's similar titles saving finding yeah i guess so you know i mean they're both about beloved once i was lost now i'm found what uh just like amazing grace okay um but anyways uh pl travers then was invited like to have some kind of um like input oversight into the making of the movie um but she did not like the movie at all she thought that they should have never toned down Mary Poppins, that she should have been exactly like she was in the book, which like, I think it would be hard to write something and put so much of yourself into it and then give it to somebody else. And they'd be like, yeah, like we like a lot of this, but we're going to change a lot of it too. Like you're, you know, I don't know. It's like- well, yeah. And if you're doing a series that just follows the same one um, protagonist, yeah, I feel like you have to have some sense of like, deeper than usual connection to this fictional character than if you were just like a author who wrote like thinking of like the Harry Potter books like if if instead of what eight books about Harry Potter if if what's her face we won't name her because she's not a good person anymore yeah she's always probably been not a good person but she's come out as not a good person anyway um if she had just written eight random children's fantasy books she might not have as much like ownership or attachment to the characters as she probably did for like Harry and Hermione and the boy Ron the other people in that movie yeah. The book. Anyway. um yeah so she didn't like that um she was ambivalent about the music she didn't really care about the music um but she hated um the animation like she hated all of those scenes so much so that she um forbid Disney from making any sequels um so that's why like there are a bunch of there's I think there's like eight or nine Mary Poppins there might be more than that actually um eight or nine that I saw referenced um books that she wrote mm-hmm. about Mary Poppins but she was like absolutely not um I think the relationship between Disney and Travers just like disintegrated um he didn't invite her to the premiere um, I saw that. Yeah, until she embarrassed a Disney executive into extending one, and at the after party, she said loudly, "Well, the first thing that has to go is the animation sequence." To which, <laughs> to which Disney replied, "Pamela, the ship has sailed," and walked away. <laughs> um. So yeah, there was uh, there was there were there was, she wasn't a big fan um of the movie um so. All right. Thank you. Um, yeah. Saving Mr. Banks uh, has uh, 
Tom Hanks and Emma Thompson. I saw Emma Thompson. Interesting. I might watch it. I think it's Tom Hanks. Whenever I hear Walt Disney's voice in my head, it's Tom Hanks. So yeah, that Tom Hanks. Okay. You um, cool. Yeah. And so she is she dead now? Oh yeah, she died in 1996 at the age of 96 because she was born in 1899. Yeah, I just wonder because they made that sequel like three or four years ago, and so I wonder. Um, I mean, I guess it's their own story. I don't know if it's based at all on um, any of the other books. Um, no. Um, well, she so she did write, she wrote a book called Mary Poppins Comes Back, but the Disney movie that we just watched is a combination of the Mary Poppins first book and bits from Mary Poppins Comes Back. Um, okay. But... Um, yeah, I, where did, I can't remember where it was talking about that. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure actually where that storyline came from. Uh, the second movie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's very, I mean, I feel like it, it goes along a string of um, Disney live action, like remakes or editions. So I mean, mm-hmm. it could just be a completely mm-hmm. new movie. Um, because really, I mean, it is that, because really the plot of that movie is, it's pretty much the same as the original Mary Poppins, but is in a different decade and has one generation later of the, like, I mean, there are different things, like the whole, like, dead dad thing. Isn't there a dead dad? I don't know. I, I saw there's, one. There's, like, an absent father. Mary Poppins is there. There's, like, I thought, I thought it was a dead mom. Dead mom, yeah, because he says, how am I going to brush her hair? And I said, you won't because she has curly hair um that's one of the lines no well that's one of his his sad song he talks about brushing his daughter's hair okay so there's like absent parents yeah i mean thinking about the second um mary poppins movie it's obviously a different like script and different or characters in a different time period but i think like a lot of the themes are the same like they're the scenes parallel one another like there's the fun like outing scene with cartoons and live action um yeah so it is possible that it's just disney studios wanting to bring back the mary poppins i mean it was a successful movie yeah like even though and emily blunt oh no 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 i meant the first one oh yeah like it was a good bet that you know that's a much loved movie. Like I bet there's other movies that Disney has remade or has like done weird sequels to that I've just been like, I do not care about that. Yeah. Um, but like this is a movie that just holds up. I think over over the decades, like mm-hmm. every new generation of kids loves the Mary Poppins movies. So, yeah. Yay! Uh, do you want to hear a weird thing about Peel Travers? So she um, never married. She lived with a woman for 10 years, but like their relationship was intense, but ambiguous is what Wikipedia said. Hmm. But um, when she was 40, she adopted a little boy um, named um, Camillus, Camillus, C-A-M-I-L-U-S Travers. So he was 
the grandson of jo Joseph Hone, who was Yates's first biographer, who was raising his seven grandchildren with his wife. So he gave one of his grandchildren, he was still alive, to Travers to raise as her own. Uh -huh. um, so, and so Camillus, Camillus, I don't know how to say his kid's name, was unaware of his true parentage or the existence of any siblings until the age of 17. I mean, this is like a Shakespearean play. When Anthony Hone, his twin brother, came to London and knocked on the door of Travers's house. He had been drinking and demanded to see his brother. Travers refused and threatened to call the police. Anthony left, but soon after, following an argument with Travers, Camillus went looking for his brother and found him in a pub on King's Road. Um, Anthony had been fostered and raised by the family of the essayist Hubert Butler. So it's like all of these grandchildren were like farmed out to all these writers in England. Um, it was just kind of a weird sad story um, that took an unexpected twist. Yeah, I just came up with an idea. Oh yeah? Um, Is this like a mid, mid break warm up? No. <laughs> Just a, an idea that um, a town in South Carolina might want to use. Um, this could be a very niche reference, um, but I think the town of Traveler's Rest should rebrand itself in a Traveler's Rest and just become like this weird, like Mary Poppins, like. Like Land of Oz and yeah. Blowing Rock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or Banner Elk or wherever it was. I don't know. Um, Yes, that is very niche. Yeah, so that's an idea for Traveler's Rest. Although I do think it's a very quaint name for a town in the first place, so maybe you don't change it. But if you wanted to, you have options. Well, I mean, Stanton is like Harry Potter town one weekend every year. It makes no sense because we have no connection to Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, but like tens of thousands of people come in for this one weekend. So yeah, maybe okay, they but, have Mary Poppins weekend. Okay, but do you get the... But Traveler's Rest is like close to Traveler's Rest. I do get that. I'm saying like they have more of a claim to the Mary Poppins um, world than Stanton ever would. Yeah, don't think change your name. You only have to change the name. Yeah, just do like a weekend long, like plaster all over the town signs that say just just block out the E and the L. Anyway, um, I do think uh, if your town council chooses to do this, you do have to pay me. I was going to say, you need to like copyright that or trademark TM, TM, TM. My idea. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I consulted, um, I mean, yeah, this is a, this is the most, out of all the movies we've watched, this is definitely the most familiar to me that we've watched so far. So I don't really have, I didn't have like many like thought provoking reactions or ideas to it because I was expecting most of it. Um, besides just like a few things where I was like, I didn't realize like how long this went or what was happening when I was a kid. Um, so I consulted our friend Mary Ness. Um, did did she talk about the racism? And nope. There is there is huge racism. When? Um, I, I mean, I can get to an hour later. What? Were you planning on talking about it? Yeah. Oh, like when we talk about the movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, just wait. Okay. Um. So Mary Ness. Um, it's pretty unimpressed by Mary Poppins. Really? 
which actually a lot of things that I read about Mary Poppins, specifically the animation part, people are just like, it's not good Disney animation, whatever. I don't really care about that. Um, but she makes an argument that this is just um, one more movie to add to our list that Disney made that doesn't really have a plot driving it. Um, just true. Yeah, I thought about that. There's not like a clear plot happening until the very there's end. There's no climax. Like, there's no climax? Yeah. I think there is. What's the climax? The fight in the bank. The with Jane and Michael or yeah. when he goes to get fired? Uh, both. I mean, I guess that's a climax. That's a turning point at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely no plot, but it's not like the sword in the stone. There's no plot. Like at the end, at the end, I, I guess you could say the same thing with sword in the stone, but when the family is happy together and like they got the point where Mr. Binks is like, yes, let's go fly kites like that. I think in retrospect is like, oh, okay, I see what was happening all along, but we just didn't realize it. It's kind of like the saying of, um, maybe the best part of the journey is not the destination, but the friends we made along the way or something. I think that's kind of what this movie is. Except that the one friend they made like abandons them and doesn't love them after all in Mary Poppins. Well, Bert is probably still going to be hopping around. I love Bert. Um, So here's what Mary has to say about things we could possibly learn from this movie. Um, and she thinks that maybe the bank is the most important like concept of it. Um, she talks a bit about how like both parents are largely absent um, from taking care of their children or hanging out with their children. Like even Mrs. Banks, she clearly loves her children, but she is not around and does not pay attention to them. Um, and is just very focused on her suffragette cause. Um. And so this is what Mary Ness has to say about, yes. It was just frustrating because she was like, she's all about like equal rights for women and voting and all of that stuff. Um, But then she like completely like um, defers to her husband for raising the children. And like, I don't know, that was just frustrating. I was like, you're kind of a waste. Yeah. I wonder if she was like, yeah. I feel like if this movie like were made like in a like kind of a more serious light today, it would be a good character make to be to like prove the point that not everybody has to have kids or is meant to be a mother. Um, because maybe she wasn't. Well, she'd be and- much happier when she was going on her little parades and protests. Um, one of the other things I did research was. Um, she she lists one of the she lists some suffragettes that are like real real suffragettes and one was um, Emmeline Pankhurst um, and she was I guess I'm taking over your research is that okay real quick yeah yeah um, uh, this is this goes back to my um, typing uh, what typing no to um, my tape measure thing of me doing things my own way Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but anyways, uh, Emmeline Pankhurst was a British political a- uh, activist. Um, Time magazine named her as one of the 100 most important people of the 20th century. Wow. Um, yeah. 
Um, but she was, um, it, according to time, she's, uh, she shaped an idea of objects for our time and shook society into a new pattern from which there could be no going back. So she was like really big into the suffragette movement in the UK, um, but she used militant tactics. So they were like blowing up things. They, they actually like eventually, she forms this, uh, what is it called? The um, Women's Social and Political Union. And eventually they take to arson. Like that's their main um, tactic is they just start burning places down. Um, and so as, a, as she like continues, people start to be like, I'm not sure this is the best way to do things. I mean, there's always going to be, I think, a debate on what's the best yeah. way to get, you know, change to happen. And she obviously went down that one uh, route. Um, but the thing that was interesting to me was that when they, when they started using arson, um, more moderate, um, organizations spoke out against, um, Ms. Pankhurst. So she had five children, um, and her daughters were all a part of the movement too. I think it looks like she has, she had three daughters that you really learned about. Um, but in 1913, um, two of her daughters leave her movement. Like they're, they're like, mom, we can't be a part of this anymore. It's too violent. It's not the way to make this thing happen. And so according to something, it says, Emmeline was so furious that she gave Adela, her daughter, um, a ticket, 20 pounds and a letter of introduction to a suffragette in Australia and firmly insisted that she immigrate um, to Australia. Wow. Um, and, and she does, she complies and the family rift was never repaired. Um, her mom just believed in that. And so you get like hints of that in the suffragette song that Mrs. Banks sings or, or, or and, and then like, re, like throwaway phrases that she uses where she's like, oh my gosh, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. So somebody like chained herself to the, <laughs> like when you're like, when I was watching it as a kid, first of all, once I learned what the suffragette movement was, I was super confused because I was like, but this takes place in England. Like, yeah, England, they don't vote. <laughs> like, I didn't understand prime ministers in parliament until longer than I probably should have. Um, but even still, like once you learn that, it's still like this happy, exciting song. Um, but, but like when she says these things, she says them like with a smile on her face, but it's really dangerous. Like mm -hmm. the but then she talks about like, oh, you know how Mr. Banks doesn't approve of the cause, you know, or it's like, it's my hobby. Um, and it was just interesting to, to see that side of it, that it's like a darker um, plot line than I think we realize at first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I was, uh, this is the first time that I watched it that I paid attention to what she was saying about, about what she was doing and what she had just done that day. And what all went on and I was like oh wow this is not just like this like cute movement where you show up in your like sash and like nice housewife dress yeah. um which is I think because I mean I'm sure when I saw it when, like at my youngest age that I saw it I like I assumed it was some kind of pageant situation with the sash mm -hmm. um I also didn't know what an activist was I'm sure when I first saw it it's so, like that wasn't also, it was not really an option for me to like categorize what her hobby or career was. Um, but yeah, interesting. 
Well, it also reminded me of that video of, uh, it's like, I think it's like a private high school in Georgia or something where this guy walks around and he says, will you sign this petition to end women's suffrage? Because it's such a confusing term. Yes. And so everyone's like, yeah, absolutely. Like women should never like be suffering. And so, you know, again, like it's such a strange term that as a kid, you're just like, I don't know what this woman's doing. Like, I don't, I don't know what she's excited about, but I like her dress. I like her sash. Yeah. I mean, going back to you talking about being confused because they were in the, in London and she's a suffragette and then voting. I, the opposite. I was like, I assumed for years that it was in the United States that this was happening and that they just had like weird Disney movie accents. That's what I was saying. Like I assumed it was in the United States because, because it was votes for women. And so I was like, they must just have British accents. I was like, I guess people immigrate and they keep their accents. Yeah. Who knows? But everyone had that accent. Like it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And they even say like, Oh, look at the street tops of London. Yeah. (laughs) So like must be America. (laughs) Man. 23 was an innocent age. <laughs> so can I go back to Mary Ness now? Yeah, what else does Mary Ness have to say? Um, so this is what she has to say um, about, about who moves the plot along. And she argues it's, it's the bank. Um, she says, and arguably this was all started less by any of the banker. Oh, wait. Well, okay. I guess what it ignored, I just said. Um <laughs> The banks have a lot to do with the plot, um, but so does Mary Poppins. Um, Are you saying the banks or the bank? Because it is confusing that their last name is Banks. The bankers. Okay. And arguably this was all started less by any of the bankers and more by Mary Poppins, who not only manipulates Mr. Banks into taking his children to the bank in the first place, he doesn't want to do this, but sings a song to the children to encourage them to want to spend money on bird food instead of creating savings accounts. And the situation is not helped by Mr. Banks, who flat out lies to his boss about why the kids are there. They are coming to see where he works, not to open savings accounts. Mm-hmm. If Mr. Banks hadn't lied, well, things might not have gone well with the bank management anyway, but as it is, it's kind of difficult to imagine how things could have gotten worse. Moral, don't lie to bank owners. Now that's a moral I can see the Disney Corporation getting behind. <laughs> that's, that's Mary Ness's moral of this movie. Um, and I had that question too about why he lies. No, about Mary Poppins singing that song. Oh, I loved. I thought it's. See, I think that's why I was like, "Wow, this woman's evil." But like, in right. like a good, a good evil. Um, yeah, like, does told, she can can she tell this is where it's all heading to? Where <laughs> she's like the puppet master. I think she can, and I think I told Nick. Nick and I were watching it. I think at that point, and I was like. This is, uh, so for those of you who, I don't know, aren't in seminary or I don't know, I don't know if I've done this in seminary or in like Bible studies or both, but something professors like to do or teachers like to do, and honestly, probably in literature classes too, is uh, placing two texts next to each other and letting them kind of speak for themselves, but also speak to each other. And that's exactly what Mary Poppins does (laughs) when she says, yeah, you can go to the bank. Also, here's this random song yeah. about the lady. And I'm not going to tell you like what it means or what to do, but your kid brains apparently are very bright and latched on to this idea of um, 
where to spend your money either in the bank or in this woman who feeds the birds yes well it's like okay um she sings in the song where the refrain is feed the birds feed the birds tuppence a bag tuppence 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 a bag feed the birds feed the birds I mean it's like it's like when Chandler on Friends is trying to quit smoking and um and Monica Rachel gives him that um subliminal message tape to listen to and he's falling asleep and so it's like you don't need to smoke you don't need to smoke you're a strong confident woman they didn't realize that it was for women yeah. um and so then the next so then throughout the the episode he starts acting like more womanly or whatever um it's a problematic storyline for that yes. for today but but it's like that like they're falling asleep listening to her it's like subliminal like well, it's a quote of the bird lady Right, but they fall asleep hearing Mary Poppins you know. tell them this song. Yeah, she's I mean, a smart lady. She's working for the better of the world, but probably in, uh, yeah, riskier ways. Well, and Mr. Banks was so um, unwilling to consider anything but his own reality. And so I think there is no way that it could have been any different like I don't think she would have been like if she had said Mr. Banks I'd really like to talk to you about Jane and Michael and you know their perception of you and like your relationship together I think he'd be like that's not how the British household is run you know I'm the king of my castle and their children should neither be seen nor heard and you know that kind of thing um and yeah so maybe she's just like well fine (laughs) then yeah yeah I mean, but I think also, uh, and maybe this is also me putting together the two Mary Poppins, but I think like one of the, uh, one of the pieces of like Mary Poppins character that you kind of assume from watching them is that, and you brought up her like parting line about with Michael and Jane about all the children. Like, I think it's, it's clear that this is just this person's um, like goal in every setting is to, Mm -hmm. um, somehow get households back on the same page I don't know um did yeah. you did you at all think of um the, all those shows that were on tv in like the 2000s that were like nanny 911 yeah I mean they kind of did the same thing it's true in like yeah. 2000s versions like of just being like flat out and being like this family is not functioning yeah um yeah no I more thought of my own identity as a nanny oh did you you should watch it with your kids at you nanny and be like well what do you think like should I be like Mary Poppins or? the oldest the oldest when she was in middle school that was their school musical oh, really so we, so we all should... watched it together well we didn't watch it we I've told you the story I'm sure um she um she had two roles one was as like a I don't know, just like somebody in the crowd. I think she was like a newspaper salesperson or something um, in some like big cast scene, but her, she had a solo. Um, so when they got their parts, this family had never seen Mary Poppins before. Um, and they're going to watch it like that next weekend. And so she came home and she was like, yeah, we got our parts today. And I was like, oh, cool. And she was like, yeah, I'm a news person, but also I have a solo. And I was like, oh, what solo do you have? And her solo was the bird lady. 
Uh, and I was like, oh, cool. Mm. I was like, you've never seen this before. So I'm going to le- let you make your own cover. About this is a good or a bad role for you. I'll let you discover that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she did great. Um, I mean, that's honestly, yeah, that's a weird scene to do, I'm sure, of kind of being the only one on stage and just like throwing breadcrumbs <laughs> while singing. Um, I wonder if they did like a divided stage of Mary Poppins and the kids and then on the other side like I don't know I don't remember um so yeah we have all seen it together um not the movie but the play the musical um yeah um we talked a little bit about how like most of our reactions are just piecing together what we missed or misinterpreted as children mm-hmm. One of the things that I guess I missed is that the kids are in like the adventure they go on that's animation and live action. The kids are like largely by themselves and absent uh, <laughs> from majority. What a, what a great nanny. Right. Um, and that's the best segue I can think of into what I researched. Oh. Um, <laughs> is that, uh, uh, oh, I feel like I had a better... Oh, no, I do have another one. Um, you've heard of nudie suits. I have. <laughs> but have you heard of pearly suits? Pearly? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. All right. So this is my research on the pearlies, the pearly kings and queens of the UK. Um, so in supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Oh, the band? The band. And they have like these pearled or buttoned suits on. Um, actually the, the female pearly who talks or sings, um, that's Julie Andrews doing that voice. Um, and you can now see that pearly band at Disneyland. They perform throughout Disneyland. Um, okay. Um, so the pearlies, um, still exist today in the UK in London. Um, they were founded by Henry. They were founded by Henry Croft. Um, who are, what are you doing? I just see a picture of them. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. These are like nudie suits. Okay, go ahead. Would you like to describe what you're seeing for the audience? Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. So they are, uh, highly embellished suits with uh, it looks like, I mean, I guess because they're pearly, some pearls, but like sequins and stuff. But like, uh, sometimes they have words on them. Um, so this one guy has a vest that says, proud to be born a cockney. Um, but it's obviously like all of that is is bejeweled. It's like a, it's like a bedazzler. Like, it's like bedazzling. Yeah. So <laughs> these pearly suits um, work. Cr- Okay, I'm gonna just wait for you to close out whatever you're looking at. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, these pearly suits were created by Henry Croft, um, who was alive in 1861 to 1930. Um, he was born in Somerstown in London, um, and he became an orphan at the age of 10 um, and worked as a road sweeper for about 35 years. When, when uh, was he born? 1861. Um, and he started wearing the pearly suit in the late 1870s, um, and he would take, 
he would, I think he had a few suits starting out um, and he would kind of bedazzle, bedazzle them with mother of pearls, mothers of pearl. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, that began in the late 1870s. Um, he would also eventually start doing that to like socks and ties and hats, which you can see people still do today. Um, the origin is kind of unknown. Some suggest that it was um, a common practice among the working class to just add decorative buttons, metal buttons to plain clothes. Um, but the like modern pearly London Association or whatever organization definitely seemed to trace it back more closely to um, it being an inspiration by costermongers which were street sellers of fruits and vegetables in London. I feel like we don't use monger enough in our, in our everyday language. Okay. Well, I'm a, I'm a sermon mongerer, sermon monger. You're more than welcome to do that. Um, so they would wear these suits that were also embellished, I guess, by buttons and things. Um, and he began to like a way to, like display all of their wares to like grab attention oh okay um and so he started doing it initially with his suits to um get attention while raising money for the orphanage that he grew up in um and then he ended up spending like the rest of his life doing it to fundraise for local hospitals and different like health funds in london that's so cool yeah at um there was some like memorial event and they estimate that um he probably raised today's um equivalent equivalent of five hundred thousand dollars um in that's so cool yeah um by 1911 all 28 of the metropolitan boroughs of london had their own pearly king queen and family um and they were often members of the local costermonger community in that borough very cool um, the society today still holds a harvest festival the last Sunday of September in London um, to we celebrate. Huh? We should go. Yeah. Probably not this year, but maybe. Um, they, I looked this up and I found it on YouTube. Um, they were the actual um, kings and queens of London were in the 2012 Summer Olympics opening ceremony for London. Um, and like the, there's like an eight minute like display of um the uh the is it in your room right now that you're looking at <laughs> no i'm trying to get with a word the revolution the blink the like the machines the machine what's that revolution industrial revolution, industrial revolution. there's like an eight minute um performance parade yeah, i watched it yeah live when it was yeah. happening um and so you can see the actual pearly kings and queens are no, I'm not, I'm not gonna look at it. They're actually in it. Um, they have a website. I looked at their website, um, and they explain what it takes to be one. You have to like have be able to um, demonstrate that you have a history of philanthropy and fundraising. Um, you first take on like an apprenticeship before you become an official part of the community. Um, so if you have any listeners who are interested in joining the London Pearlies, you probably have to live in London, one. Um, but if you fit the criteria, 
above and you think you can contribute to the age-old traditions of the London Pearly Kings and Queens, then in the first instance, please email Gwen Jones on Pearly Queen, I believe this is Greenwich, at yahoo.com with your CV and letter explaining why you wish to join us and what you can bring to the society. So, Do you feel like you should explain what a nudie suit is that you began the segment with? No. Okay. It's a part of our collective knowledge. I think we all know this. That's not what it sounds like. The guy's name was Nudie. Yep. Not our fault. Um, anyway, so that's the pearly suits. Pearly, pearly king and kings and queens. So like in the movie though, they're in a band. Yeah, I don't know if the band is a common okay. like thing that they do together. Okay. Um, they do meet once a month. Well, pre-pandemic, at least they met once a month at uh, St. Paul's Church in London, um, which is also known as the Actors Church. They have a lot of like acting ministries and ministries for mm-hmm. actors, um, including like a. That's, huh? the same, that's the same church where the Bird Lady was, though. Oh, really? I don't know. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um. I was like, I don't think so. This church didn't look that large. Um, they also have a <clears throat> uh, actor's chaplaincy program there. What does that mean? You can be a chaplain for like actors. Like I think you get assigned to a theater um, and you have your, I don't know if it's a paid gig or a volunteer basis. It sounds like it's volunteer. That's cool though. Yeah. I would totally do that. Yeah have to move to London I think but whatever it'd be cool to live in London I'd be fine with that man that was a fun little uh journey we went on coster mongers I learned some new words mm-hmm. I learned some some more history behind the movie and the images so that's that was fun yeah um can I talk about the racism now? Or, Yeah, speaking of uh, things that I had seen or heard a million times and didn't understand the history or context behind. Uh, well, first of all, <laughs> Admiral Boom. Yeah. In what world is there a man who has built a ship on the top of his house and twice a day rattles the entire neighborhood and everyone just, um, you know, accommodates it and goes to their posts and protects their china. That's pastoral care. You let him live out his best days. Oh, uh, no, no, that's not. That's enabling. <laughs> that's bad pastoral care. But it is pastoral but care. Good pastoral care would be like, I see that time is really important to you. Could we find another way to acknowledge time passing that is maybe not quite so disruptive of everyone else's life? Like there was one part in the movie where I don't know what was going on with him that day, but he says, hold on, because I wrote it down. Uh, Nobody sleeps this morning. Put in a double charge. Like he knows how disruptive he is. No. 
nobody sleeps this morning in his head he's on a boat and he has a crew of people so you think he's delusional i think he has like dementia but yeah i'm sorry okay but but then when people are walking on the street he doesn't say oh my gosh how are you on the street but he makes references to like the journey and stuff what journey when Bert walks by in the beginning, he says hi to him, and he like tells them like the like the forecast of the seas that day, uh-huh. um, and like wishes him like safe and travels. Yeah, but I felt like that was all kind of like metaphor because he's really talking about what's going on at Seventeen Cherry Tree Lane. Yeah, where he's like, "Oh, storms are brewing at that house," and it was. Oh. Okay, maybe. Anyways, maybe he has dementia. Maybe he's delusional. He's definitely a racist um, because um, at some point, oh shoot, when does he say that? Um, he references, hold on, sorry. Um, let, me get, let me get my notes. Yeah, okay. So at some point um, in the movie, before the chimney sweep scene, he makes a reference to Hottentots, which is a racist term. Hmm. Um, I like, cause I, I mean, and I'm sure, I know you did this too, I'm pretty sure. I watched it with the captions on mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd heard that word before. And now I'm also reading stamped from the beginning mm-hmm. um and he mentions a little bit of of that word and don't come in so so i i had i've heard that word a couple times um so i double checked and it is a term that was historically used to refer to the kwekwe um, which is a non-bantu indigenous nomadic pastoralist of south africa and the word actually comes from, it's a Dutch word, um, but, and I think they're, they're not quite entirely sure where the word came from, but it's widely claimed that it's supposed to be a Dutch expression equivalent to stammerer or stutterer, um, which is because the, um, the, that people have, they have clicked consonants in their languages. So they're making fun of the way they speak. Um, through the years that has become um, a racist term. A lot of people associated the Hottentot people or the, well, the Khoikhoi, I'm totally butchering that word, um, and, and assumed that they were cannibals and assumed um, some pretty horrible things about them. Um, so yeah, it's a, uh, <laughs> it's not a great word. Um, oh gosh, yeah, um, it's pretty racist actually. Um, so I was like, wow, that's pretty bad. So then fast forward to the chimney sweep scene at the very end, when he looks out, uh, Admiral Boom looks out and sees all those chimney sweeps. Mm-hmm. They're all black with soot. And he says, um, he says, uh, uh, we're being attacked by Hottentots, cheeky devils. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, it's, I mean, so basically 
yeah, he assumes that they are a tribe from South Africa attacking the streets of London. And that's why he puts like all of the, the extra cannon powder. And, and it looks like this fireworks, but still. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> still a little racism. And I don't think I saw at all a disclaimer. Oh, yeah. Did you see one? No. I mean, because there was one for Sword in the Stone about tobacco use. But like Mr. Banks is like filling his pipe all the time. So I'm not sure if I saw anything for this one, but definitely there was some racism that I'd never picked up on before. I read Mary Ness's article about the book Mm -hmm. of Mary Poppins and um, there was racism in in Mary Poppins in in Travers's book. Mm -hmm. Um, So she has uh, in one of the little stories, the children go, Mary Poppins and the children go around uh, with a magical compass and in it they they encounter stereotypical Eskimos, Native Americans, Black people who speak non-standard English and eat watermelon, Mm -hmm. and Chinese people. Um, And then Mary Ness says, Travers later defended her racial stereotypes and occasional bits of racist language in the books by commenting that the children who read the books never complained. Wow. Yeah, why would the kids, like, (laughs) okay. But I mean, like, so, like, I've seen this movie a million times and never picked up on that. Like, I wouldn't have known to complain. Right, yeah. Or it's, like, dad wanting to feed Cooper, like, garbage human food and be like, he doesn't, he likes it. (laughs) He doesn't have any agency not to like it. Like, he doesn't know that it's like really not good for him yeah um yeah so interesting a little bit of racism um, also that's also interesting because I feel like if you like I assume because Mary Ness kind of talks about this a little bit in her uh, essay that I read about how um the the soot makeup from scene to scene varies and she was like there are some where like their faces are just almost like too covered and soot to look like blackface. And there are other scenes where it's clearly just like what would naturally happen to a chimney sweep who's working in chimneys. Um, and she was like, I don't like, she's like, I don't think it's, it's definitely not enough to like raise a huge red flag and cancel this movie because it's not their intention. Um, but that, but yeah, but the interaction with the captain or whoever uh, is not obviously they needed to be black enough for him to assume that they were a tribe from Africa right yeah I feel like that's not picked up on yeah this I feels, never this noticed feels, it yeah this feels similar to um whatever happened in Dumbo I feel like there was some scene that's like a very popular example of racism and then the scene that like bothered oh. us more was a scene that's like not talked about the, it was the um the guys that were putting the tents up the workers, yeah, versus yeah. something else. They were, um, they're like some of the the lyrics were really troublesome. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um. Yeah. So I love this movie, but I was like, oh, ah, oh, I wish that wasn't in there. Yeah. I mean, I guess I mean it's like they needed some way to end this thirty-minute-long dance and get everyone back off of the rooftops. And so what's the easiest way to move people? Racism. 
Well, and that feels like a, like, uh, yeah, it also kind of feels like not for today's audience, but it feels like at some point in time, that would definitely be like a comedic relief effect. I think that's like the yeah. worst, the worst part of it is that it's meant to be funny and not just like, oh, this man's really uh, confused. No. Yeah. I mean, I think that that would have been a term that people would have been like, oh, that's so funny. He thinks that they're a bunch of like cannibal Africans. Ha ha ha. Well, and the Snow White episode is when we learned that Disney was paying his animators bonuses for coming up with goofs. And a lot of the goofs in that, like a lot of the goofs we've seen so far have been racist or offensive. Yeah. Yeah. Dopey Um, with the symbol on his head. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, so, but it's funny because it's like Travers did not like Disney's interpretation of Mary Poppins, but it's like, here's one way in which he was true to your writing. Um, he carried the racist themes over. So what were you mad about? Congrats. <laughs> and the kids never complained about that scene. What kids? The kids who were watching it. The movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I never, I'd never picked up on it. I've seen the movie a million times. So I was wondering if, uh, based on the song that Jane and Michael sing about their new, new nanny, it says, never smell of barley water. Mm. And I was like, and then I thought about it and I was like, is that beer? Because isn't barley? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, barley goes into beer. And so at first, I, well, I just Googled it. And so no, barley water is a real thing. Okay. In, in England, it's made by boiling washed pearl barley, straining it and adding fruit juice and sugar to taste. The fruit rind may also be boiled with the barley. It's commonly associated with the summer season and served at the championships at Wimbledon. Um, but I thought maybe it was like, we don't want a nanny who's a drunk. <laughs> like, Because all of Michael's inputs were funny. Yeah. Like, rosy cheeks, no warts. That's me. Like, yeah. <laughs> that was, that's what I want. Um, yeah. The kids were definitely the MVPs of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. they're good they're cute they're super cute which Uh, actually we weren't we couldn't watch thomasina but the same kids same kids so we pretty much watched thomasina Mm -hmm. and watching this movie um mary ness did um say that uh there are two possible options to go and thinking about mary poppins as far as its music goes um either has too many songs or too few songs uh, too few. Um, she was like, like the ratio of, of song versus spoken uh, dialogue. Um, she was like, they could have just added like two more songs into it. And it would be just like a Lemez opera. Yeah. Um, and she was like, and it's not. And just so it feels like there's too many songs. Um, yeah, she didn't, she didn't like the balance. I got a little nervous when there was still an hour left in the movie and I felt like they'd gone through all of the songs that I knew except for the chimney sweep song. And I was like, I think, I think I often turn the movie off after the, um, the day in the countryside. Cause that's really the best part of the movie. Hmm. The bank thing never made sense to me as a kid. I never understood it. Like, I still what don't they, understand it. The song they, about the song about all the ways to invest your money and stuff. I was like, this still makes no sense to me. I'm oh, sorry, God. mom, but I don't understand this. But also, 
if you pay attention to the words of that song, it's like invest your tuppence so that it'll grow so that England continue can continue to colonize and, and take over the world. I mean, the, the items, I wish I'd written it down. The items that it says that you can, you can have control of, like one of the words they used was chattel, C-H-A-T-T-E-L, which I was like, I've only, I've only heard that word associated with slavery. Right. So I Googled that and it really just means any property of yours that's not land. Um, but I was like, I feel like mm, that's like a collective noun. Like, I think it's, yeah, I think we all know what that means. Like it's, I mean, I guess they, there was no slave trade in England in 1910, but I don't know the whole English pound thing was just confusing and frustrating to watch. Like, you know, do keep, keep England great again. (laughs) There's a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah, but I never understood the bank scene. I still don't quite understand it. Like I know that there was, they they heard this, it, it doesn't make sense because obviously it's a child. Yeah. And this woman's like, oh, that kid doesn't, they won't, the bank won't give that child his money. I want all of my money. And then there's a rush on the bank. I don't know. Yeah. There's something about banking and like you have to trust the bank has your money or something like that like the the bank is good for it or something you know at the very end of the movie the old man dies of laughter that's weird that's that's dick van dyke did you catch that the old the banker yeah i don't think i catched i don't think i caught him i don't think i caught him dying Oh, did you catch that that was Dick Van Dyke? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he dies of laughter. The next day, Mr. Banks sees the son, who's in his 70s, flying a kite. Yes, father died of laughter last night. Uh Left open a partner, a a partnership. So Mr. Banks is like thrilled. Because I was like, what are they going to do for a living? They're obviously accustomed to a certain kind of life. Yeah. Um. But then he's super excited about it. But I'd be like, last night you fired me. Also, like, I <laughs> I remember watching this and thinking, when you get fired from a job, do they like humiliate you always? Do they wrinkle like they they like take his hat and they shove their fist through it and they turn his umbrella inside out? Like you just fire, you don't have to like insult them too. just fire them. Yeah. You know? And so then the next day he's like, oh good. They're going to make me partner. I'd be like, I'll be partner, but like, we're going to have some changes. I assume that there were changes. Possibly, but I had, I mean, he, he was a little too eager. I thought I'd be like, I'll come back. But like, first of all, y'all owe me an apology because that's never the way to let an employee go, no matter what they've done. Um, just thought it was weird. Agreed. Um, I forgot one thing about Travers that I found really interesting. She greatly admired and emulated J.M. Barry, who wrote Peter Pan. Okay. 
Her first publisher was Peter Davies, who was one of the Llewellyn boys who Peter Pan is based off of. Oh. That's who published her first book. Hmm. That's interesting. Interesting connection. Yeah. Because I think there's some similarities. Like, I know they're both children's books, but like, I don't know, just the spirit, like the imagination and fantasy. Yeah. So that's all I have. I was just glad that I was dog sitting while I watched this because I could sing as loudly as I wanted in this house. Mm. In my apartment, I can't sing as loudly as I want. So I, I sang along to everything. It was super fun. And do the, do the, does the family have um, cameras all around the house? I don't think so. I hope not. All right. Well. Um, okay. Scary scale? None. None uh well the bankers were kind of scary the bankers were scary yeah yeah 0. 0.5 2.5 or 0. 0.5 no just a 0. 0.5 gotcha every week we choose our favorite movie um and i know what my favorite movie is coming into this week because we've forgotten it two times in a row now is mine under one dalmatian i think so and mine is the parent trap okay so today we're deciding between those movies and Mary Poppins. Sarah, which one's oh. your favorite? Oh, it's Mary Poppins. Natalie, what's yours? Mine is also Mary Poppins. Uh-uh. Yep. Uh, we'll see how long that stays until our next movie, which is The Jungle Book. Oh, really? Yeah. There's like a lot, there's like a few, a lot of like at our first episode, when we just like read off the weirdest names we could find, a lot of those are happening in between Mary Poppins and <laughs> but I just don't feel like watching them. Thank you. Um, um, prediction for the Jungle Book. Yeah. Absolutely no racism at all. I think it's going to be super not racist. That's funny. I haven't seen this. Um, I guess there probably uh-huh. is racism based on what you just said. And yeah. I said, I guess there probably is racism based on what you just said. Um, there's a little boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't tell you the difference between him and Tarzan or maybe they're the same person. I don't know. Oh, wait, Tarzan's also a movie with Disney, right? Yeah, it's a Disney movie. Well, now you have me really confused. No, I, I think they're different. I think that the difference is, I think they're definitely different. Um, I think Tarzan is about, they're both abandoned boys. Tarzan finds love and Mowgli doesn't? Is Mowgli Mowgli the boy or an animal? Mowgli is the boy. I don't think there's a girl in it. I mean, he's a boy. I don't think it's a love story. Okay. Um, I yeah. just know the music from like um, musicals that we've had, like uh, musical tapes and whatever. Okay. I don't know that I've seen the whole movie, but I know I've seen, I know we had some of the songs on like a Disney sing-along cassette tape. Yeah. And I know we've had some of the songs on a Disney sing-along VHS. So I, know. I, know, I know a lot of music. Yeah, I know I haven't seen it. I imagine there will be some major animal sidekick that we will both love. 
Um, I think there's some cute elephants. Yeah, that sounds familiar. But anyway, couldn't tell you what the plot is. Um, so maybe there's no plot. Maybe this is Revival. just maybe this is just a phase. Yeah. No, no plot movies. A plotless sixties. It's a good. Name. No, no plot 60s. Um, sources? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if I've ever used this source before. Um, Wikipedia? Have you heard of that? Uh-huh. Uh, Wikipedia and uh, Mary Ness. Her article entitled Magically Cruel Surrogate Parenting Mary Poppins. <laughs> uh, yeah. How about you? I used Wikipedia, um, the London Pearly Kings and Queens Society's website, and uh, Mary Ness's article titled A Spoonful of Music Makes the Nanny Disney's Mary Poppins. Also, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be able to clean my room by snapping. Yeah, if you didn't have an icebreaker, my icebreaker was going to be what chore would you want to snap done? But we're not doing it, so don't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, besides cleaning my room. What chore? I guess. Mine would be folding laundry. Oh, okay. I see what you're doing there. Okay. Because like in that sequence, she does all of those things. Clothes get folded too. Right. Um, yeah, I would say folding clothes. Although I don't mind folding clothes. I would say like sweeping. Oh, I like sweeping. How about we live together? <laughs> All right. So if you guys want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at um, what? Don't forget, if you want us to come up with your uh, tape measure. You could have waited until I said where you can find us. I mean, so when I raise my hand, you have the choice to wait to call on me. That as a teacher, you wait. <sighs> We're at Wolf Disney Pod. Sarah, don't forget to request your tape measure summaries. We will make a post so that you're not just willy-nilly posting on Facebook trying to find us to get the tape measure thing, but you can tweet at us. Yeah. Um, and maybe we'll do an Instagram story. Ooh. We don't do that ever. I don't even know what that is. Okay. Um, and you can email us, at, you can email us also asking um, wolfdisneypodcast at gmail.com. But that one's not that much fun because then we can't get more like looks and views if you just email us asking. But, you know, maybe we'll be more honest if, if you email us than if you post on Facebook asking. Um, but yeah, we'll see you next week with um, the Jungle Book, Tarzan, the prequel. It's about baby Tarzan. Baby Tarzan. We just made a lot of people mad. Don't email us. <laughs> Please don't email us. Bye. Bye. This has been Wolf Disney. Thanks for listening. Our theme song is Lamb and Wolf by Poddington Bear. See you next week. Mm-hmm.